Rest in peace, Kobe. Nation, how are you doing this wonderful evening? This is your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dane Alves, with another enticing episode where we break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news from the last week. We got a jam-packed episode, so I can't, you know, ramble on too much. I want to introduce my co-host, Chris. How are you doing? Uh, how did you like the James Hetfield uh, start off? Uh, Yahoo! Yeah, yeah, give me fuel, give me five, give me double, double, pair. Um, yeah, man, I'm having a good week. <laughs> I got a beer. Ready to talk about some wrestling? How's the uh, how's things going over there in, in Dane's world? Dane's world's kind of like Bobby's world, just adults, and I'm still riding on a you know a kid's trike for some fucking reason. Anyone gets that reference? Uh, good for you, and I appreciate Dude, it. Dude, shout out! But yeah, every- <laughs> shout, out shout out to creators of Bobby's world. <laughs> How are you doing, Dell? What are you doing, man? It's good stuff. <laughs> let's 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 get a reboot. That's when you reboot Bobby's world. All right. Anyways, well, Uncle Ted. <laughs> live Back action Bobby's world, Disney. Get get in here. Should Ed O'Neill play Uncle Ted? I think he should. I think that would make a lot of sense. I would be right. so into that. Ed O'Neill's fucking great on Modern Family. But yeah, I would right. totally be down with that. Chris, let's 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 fan cast, uh, you know, uh, Bobby's World uh, live action uh, sitcom remake later. But right now, let's talk about this last weekend. We had uh, a little bit of colliding, we had some rumbles, and uh, you know, good stuff for wrestling. And uh, I really am excited to break this whole entire thing down. So, if you are new to wrestling, I guess uh, I was talking about Worlds Collide, which was on Saturday, NXT versus NXT UK. Pretty cool pay-per-view and kind of something to take the place of a takeover uh, for the Royal Rumble that was this last Sunday. So, Worlds Collide, we had start off, uh, we had a kickoff match uh, with Kaylee Ray going against Mia Yim for the NXT UK Women's Championship um, in which uh, Kaylee Ray won. Uh, So, you know, interesting stuff. Uh, they could have put the title on the line if Kaylee was going to win anyways. You know what I'm saying? Just to, like, give some stakes to it. But it was a pre-show match. Let's get off to the first match, though, Chris, on the card. Uh, one that I really enjoyed uh, between Finn Balor and Ilya Dragunov. Um, now, Balor would inevitably put Dragunov away with the Coupe de Gras, followed by the 1916. But the match itself was full of intensity. Two guys that are much smaller in stature, but their performance, their aggression, it makes up for the size, if that makes sense. The intensity is there. And these guys beat the living hell out of each other. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, It kind of was a little bit shorter than I wanted it to be, but then again, they had a pretty big card. So 
I'd like to see, you know, if they ever do it in the future, I'd like to see Finn Balor go against Ilya Dragunov. I want to see Ilya Dragunov be the guy to go against Walter for the takeover at WrestleMania. Now I'm hoping they build it to that because I don't think they have a lot of options and I think he's really cool. But maybe I'm just high on that train. I don't know. How did you like this match between Balor and Dragunov? I thought it was a really good match, uh, a very strong opening match. Finn Balor looked incredible in it. Obviously, it gets him a strong win um, for whatever they're planning on doing with him on on the TV show weekly. But uh, yeah, I, I like the match. There were some good. There were some real cool spots. The uh, the finish was was great. I like that he's using the 1916 as his primary finisher, especially because we're in an in between stage with Finn Balor. Like, is he a heel? Is he not a heel? Um, so I like that the Coupe de Gras is not actually his. Uh, his finish because it's kind of like a baby face finish in my opinion. Um, and hopefully if he, if they're turning him full heel, he just doesn't do it. Um, or he finds a way to do it kind of like what Neville does or uh, the bastard Pac uh, over on AEW where he uses it into some kind of cool submission just to destroy his opponents further. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I think Balor used to use a submission in New Japan when he was Prince Devitt. Either way, speaking about Prince Devitt, the one thing, and I think Brian Alvarez, you know, kind of said this too on The Observer when uh, him and Dave were reviewing NXT. Um, Balor, this Balor is so much better. Like, they, he can't go as, because he doesn't have a group, he can't go as, like, cocky and arrogant, but the direct aggression and the work rate that he's performing and not being the guy with smiles that does flips and shit, but is just attacking people like head on kind of Benoit ish, if you will, Chris, I prefer this version of him so much more than the main rosters version of him. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that's a, um, I, and I would agree with Brian on that as well. I think that's a, it's a much better Finn Balor than, kind of what they were trying to do where he was ha- like happy go lucky Finn Balor and just they didn't have anything for him to do on the main roster. Um I think this is a good way to rebuild him, rebrand him and then send him back up if you want to go that route. I, I do think there needs to be some trades and talent there. But uh yes. yeah, overall I I think there's a lot of cool stuff that they can do with Finn down the road and, and building him in the way that they are thinking about like he, him and the insane man Champa and you know Velveteen Dream eventually is going to come back. There's some cool matchups and things that they can do um, to get that shine back on Finn Balor and maybe even have him come back and win the title like his first night back, kind of similar to you know him beating Seth Rollins, hopefully without the injury this time, um, and skyrocket that guy because I feel like you definitely you definitely can build around him. Um, and he's a superstar in, in a lot of ways. And also, the build-up to this match, as we talked about previously, where he's like, that guy's pretty good. I guess I'll fight him. The whole Goku thing <laughs> going into it uh, uh, kind of made me love this version of Finn, the determined, confident version of Finn Balor we're getting. Yes, man. And hopefully I remember it later, but if – I hope AJ's only out, like, rumored for, I think it was, like, up to two months. Like, it's not that bad of a shoulder separation concept. But if he's out longer, you're not going to do anything with the fucking good brothers, man. Just send them to Finn because that was the one thing. Drew McIntyre beating him. Anyways, that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about Raw when we talk about Raw. Uh, but I, I did have a bit of issues with the good brothers, like usual, and how they are used. Uh, then we have the Fatal 4-Way 
NXT Cruiserweight Championship match. This one I didn't see coming, man. Um, I, you know, I was saying Travis Banks was going to possibly win it if Angel didn't retain. You're convinced with Angel, and I think that your your prediction made the most sense because they have that Leo Rush Angel angle in the pocket. He's really hot right now in NXT, you know, and uh, it was him, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Travis Banks, and Jordan Devlin, and actually Jordan Devlin, speaking of Finn Balor, his, his protege, the Irish ace, if you will, um, ended up picking up the, uh, the championship. And this was a really, really – it was fast-paced, of course. It was a cruiserweight match. Um, but they redesigned the belt. It now has a black strap, and it's now officially the NXT, uh, just like what they did with the U.K. belt. They now have it as the NXT U.K. championship. Uh, but Garza hit a wing clipper on Scott, but Devlin broke it up and knocked Garza down with a headbutt. Delvin then hit the Delvin slide on Scott to win the match and the Cruiserweight Championship. After the match, Devlin stood in the announce table and cut a promo about how you should never bend against an ace, uh, which is his little saying. So, obviously, the, the takeaway, I think, from this match, though, Chris, Isaiah Sawyer Scott is the one who lost it. We can do something still with Angel, but uh, what do you think about this match and then the outcome of Angel losing the title? I thought it was a great match. Um, I like the new belt instead of it being purple. I kind of always hated purple for the cruiserweight division in general. Just the way that belt looked, it just I, I never really liked it. So I like the new belt. I liked the match itself. I'm surprised Angel Garza lost, but it sets him up for two different things. One is they could bring him up to Maine because he's super over, and I think that he'll continue to be super over just because of the way he wrestles in the ring, the pants gimmick he has. I feel like they might do that. So you could set him up there, but you could also just build out another four-way match if, if Leo Rush is ready. Uh, you could kind of do the same thing and sub some people in and out and have that match as well. So either way they decide to go, I think they're set up going forward in the future, and it gives them a, a you know a big NXT title uh, for the UK show headed into BTE and that new contract with NXT and NXT UK both being shown over there. Uh, which is what this pay-per-view was all about. So as far as hitting their goals, I think this was, you know, you, you needed a strong win for one of the UK guys. And uh, this this was one of them to probably the easiest one to pull off without upsetting anyone. So uh, made a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just, like I said, I want to see what happens from this. Uh, they have a lot of great guys on all the brands pretty much. Still doing 205 Live. They still have a spot in NXT. I'm glad that they're salvaging the Cruiserweight division because I think it was it's, – it's worth it uh, in a lot of ways. And the stuff that NXT, since the start of it as a television show on USA, I think has brought up the worth of that title where it was diminished. And it wasn't like a 24-7 title per se, but pretty damn close to it. So I'm glad to see it in this direction. And I, I like Jordan Devlin, man. He's a damn good wrestler. So we'll have to see where he goes from it. Um, all right. Then we had, I think might've been match of the night. Uh, it's either this one or, or the main event, but this one, I mean, we, we were talking about this is DIY. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano getting together, hearing their music hit when they're coming out. It was kind of cool and nostalgic, if you will, because, 
DIY was going against a revival in AOP when I first started watching uh, back in 2015-ish, 16, when I was really diving into NXT by itself. So Mustache Mountain, I love these guys. I love Trent Seven. I love Tyler Bates. And I got a lot of what I wanted to. It was fun to see the two supreme baby faces, and I would love a one-on-one, but we'll get to Tyler helping out Johnny later on. Uh, But I want to see Tyler Bate and Johnny Gargano in a very long-paced match. Uh, I think what they do for other people, even though they work with great people, they elevate. And I like to see them, you know, there's not a lot of reason for it because both of them are baby faces, but I'm just saying in the future, would love to see that. But I think this is a badass tag match. It was nice to see DIY kind of, if not the last time, just just really concentrate on themselves as a tag team because I don't think they've had a chance to really do that um, lately. So I thought it was a fun match, hard-hitting, inevitably DIY uh, beat Mustache Mountain, Tommaso Ciampa pinned Trent Seven after DIY's old finisher meet in the middle. After the match, the two teams shook hands and hugged. And then they were uh, interviewed, or Johnny was, I should say, without Tommaso Ciampa in the back by Kathy Kelly. Finn Balor came, attacked the shit out of him, you know, was like, you know, put some respect in my name, and he smacked him in the face. I don't know if he did that. He did something on those lines, though. And um, he he bird-manned him, just told him to put some respect on that name. Uh, And basically from there, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate were around. They were like, hold on, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, Finn Balor was grabbing, like, security and throwing them across tables. Very well done. Tyler Bate gets in his face. He pushes Tyler Bate. I think that's setting up something in the future for a match between Balor and Bate, uh, which should be an awesome match if that does inevitably happen. But I was very pleased by this match. Chris, how would you like the tag match? And then how would you like the aftermath with Finn Balor attacking Johnny Gargano? I love the Finn Balor stuff because I think he could easily show up on the UK show and continue that while still doing stuff on the actual NXT show. I know that's going to be a bit to, uh, a bit much to ask, but you know if you rotate weeks or whatever, he can have multiple feuds, and I think that will help both brands. So as far as the aftermath, I really dug it. I thought it was great. This match was a kind of a tale of two different matches. The beginning, you had a bunch of good spots and, and kind of some high-flying action in the first 10 minutes. And then it just got really, really stiff <laughs> towards the end of the match, and it was fucking awesome. Uh, this was a great match, probably my match of the night. I really did love the main event as well, but I think you were spot on with saying this was probably the match of the, of the night on this card. Yeah, uh, it's, they just um, they did some cool stuff, and like you said, hard-hitting as shit. I mean, these guys were nailing each other with their double finishers and the way they were sequencing going from double move to the other guys getting the upper hand and them hitting a double move. And then just, just, just good stuff all uh, all in general. Um, The next match actually was another awesome. Sorry. I I, I was going to say at the beginning, you know, they were kind of going into wrist locks and stuff. And I kind of liked the juxtaposition of what the match became, but there was this great chant, like towards the beginning of the match, it was like Johnny wrestling, big, strong boy which was a dueling chant from the fans. So shout out to yep. the fans of this show because that was that was like a really great moment. Um, 
which means you know it, it obviously shows that they have respect for these guys and, and I thought the crowd was great during this match that's just something I want to point out because we do shit on the fans a lot in some of these situations but this one was not one of them I think that was it was a pretty great crowd they were definitely hot for this match and it it to me it, it amped everything up even more this was a really really good match Ciampa doesn't have bad matches neither does Gargano no, man. That's, that's what I'm starting to learn neither does Tyler Vader Trent Seven man all of those guys Trent might be the one that odd man out, but that's, I mean, that's because th- those other three guys, you put them in the ring with someone, they're going to fucking tell a great story. Um, but yeah, so another match that could be, you know, if you consider it match of night, Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm tore the fucking house down with the two of them. I want to say that they've had three matches. I want to say that the first time where I believe Tony beat Rhea Ripley was my favorite encounter between the two because it kind of put Rhea on the map for me a bit. But um, as expected, kind of Rhea Ripley won against Tony. It was a good match. Tony missed a top rope frog splash, allowing Ripley to hit the riptide and win the match. After the match, Ripley exchanged words with Bianca Belair and the crowd to set up their match at TakeOver. But, um, yeah, man, I love Tony Storm. Love Rhea Ripley. I think, honestly, for no no offense to Kaylee Ray, I think Tony needs to take that title back. I think that she could uh, use the UK Women's Championship to add some, uh, some, you know, some gravitas towards it. But I want to see her eventually with that NXT Women's Championship. I just don't want her to take it off of Rhea Ripley. But I really like their feud. They kind of have a Pete Dunn-Tyler Bate relationship, uh, and it always works out well. How would you like this match, Chris? I don't know if I liked the spots that they were doing on Rhea's neck. I couldn't really tell. I, I'm assuming that she wasn't injured, but some of the selling made it kind of seem like she may have been, and then it really slowed the match kind of to a crawl towards the end. I liked the match itself. I thought it was fine. It wasn't – to me, it wasn't – I've seen them before. I think the match I've seen before was better. Um, but, yeah, the, it, it seems like the crowd kind of was out of it a little bit in the middle of this match. I also kind of blame that once again, that's placement. They just, they went after DIY coming back together in mustache mountain who were hugely over. Um, Rhea Ripley, I think is phenomenal. And it sounds like she's getting nods to, it It sounds like it's going to be Charlotte versus Rhea probably down the line. So good for her strong, strong win, I would say. And, and I guess we'll see where it goes from here. We'll definitely talk more about that concept later because I, I, uh, I think I suggested that. I think that would actually be a really cool thing, but they got to set it up correctly. Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more with the Rumble once we get to the ladies' Rumble. Uh, the last match, Imperium, Imperium, Undisputed Era, baby. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a clusterfuck at parts, but it was still fun. Um, Unfortunately, Alexander Wolf was injured early on uh, when he was kicked by Bobby Fish and uh, appeared to connect him in the jaw and just knock him out real quick. Uh, you could tell Bobby was kind of worried uh, when they were trying to get Alexander Fish out of the ring and take him to the back because, you know, he just he just had worry on his face, basically. Like, that shit sucks. So it was four to three. Uh, Roger Strong put Walter through the announce table with an Olympic slam to temporarily take him out. And the big man returned and was able to uh, pin Fish after a powerbomb. It was a pretty hard-hitting match. There's a part where Walter looks like he's swatting fucking flies 
when it comes to that. All, everyone from Undisputed Era coming at him, <laughs> and he's just chopping them down. He's just chopping the shit out of them. I love this. I want to see Walter and Adam Cole uh, in the future, just the two of them. But good stuff. And Imperium wins, Walter. He has the Superior UK Championship. What did you think about this, Chris? I, I think they did a great job working around Alexander Wolf's injury. Obviously, when you're throwing <laughs> throwing shit as stiff as they are, some sometimes accidents happen. It sucks, but I feel like they covered up for it well, and it made Walter look even stronger. Um, and and I did predict that he was going to be chopping the shit out of people. So that that <laughs> that bet was a, a well placed one. Uh, it was great watching that spot, and uh, I like the finish. You know, he gets up from getting put through the table, Brock Lesnar style. Gets back in the ring, uh, hits an awesome drop kick. Like watching Walter throw a drop kick is a thing of beauty, <laughs> by the way. Uh, so I love that. And then just power bomb the shit out of Fish, and that was uh, that was it. A strong win for Walter. I mean, I know the Adam Cole things there, and that that could be great, and it would be fun to see Walter do that. But I'm just like, can we can we get Keith Lee versus Walter? Like that's the that's the, that's the immediate thought I had after yeah. this match. Is like, uh, let's get some big dudes in the ring. It'll be awesome. I want to see. I want to see. Uh, I want to see Keith Lee get chopped and slapped down like he's a redwood tree, and then get back up and pounce um, Walter across the ring. I think that'd be fucking awesome. He's like, I, I have my UK champion. He's, he represents Europe. I'm going to beat you with your North American champion, and I'll have both. So he wants to take over, man. I'm down for that. Although he's from Austria. All right, well, that's not too bad. Um, the whole concept of Imperium, maybe I shouldn't be talking about them invading America. That's actually a bad idea. Anyways, <laughs> um, Euro- European alliance, that's all it fucking means, people. It's the fact that they're Austrian, German, you know, and, and, and um, yeah. Anyways, let's move on to the Royal Rumble. Um, Chris, I know I've said this about, like, I think that WWE has done a good job this year. Well, actually, no, that's right. That's not this year. This would be 2020, not 2019. All right, at least for the season, if you will. If WrestleMania is to start, or right after WrestleMania is to start of the next season, the pay-per-views, you know, the big ones, I thought SummerSlam was really good. I thought Survivor Series was really good. And I thought Royal Rumble was really good. There's one match in particular, kind of got slowed down a bit by, but that also was to do with placement and the fact they didn't put a lot of emphasis in the story building up. But other than that, even the matches that I think me and you were kind of dreading, I thought ended up being pretty fun and entertaining. Um, let's start off with the two kickoff matches. We had Sheamus uh, going against Shorty G. They, Shorty G got a heck of a lot more offense than I thought he would if Sheamus is going to beat him, which he inevitably did. But Sheamus inevitably beat Shorty G with a broke kick. That was about it. I, I don't think – I think they could extend this if they want to. It just depends on what Sheamus wants to do, I think. Um, I think them going, like you said, just let them keep on having a series of matches. Let Shorty G one-up him and then keep on going from there. I would, I would enjoy that. Um, but then we also had the – um, the championship match with Andrade going against Humberto Carrillo uh, for the United States Championship. And Andrade countered a Hurricane Rana by rolling through into a pin to win the match and retain championship. Uh, he would also, unfortunately, I'm not laughing about him getting suspended, but uh, he basically failed wellness policy. He's out for 30 days, so 
You would think that since they've made Humberto take the L's so much that this next match that they have on Raw from Monday, he would get the title from him since he was suspended before that or, you know, after that match, that was it for a month, basically. Uh, and they did. So this, that kind of shows you what they think of Humberto. Either way, on Monday he did remove the pads off the ground and give him, I think it was like a DDT on the outside to the concrete. So I don't even know. Either way, I'd like to see Andrade with the championship in another direction once he does come back. Very weird shit, but pretty good match, I would say, uh, between Andrade and Humberto Carrillo. Not as good as Andrade's awesome match with Ray uh, two Raws ago, the ladder match. But what do you think about the kickoff uh, matches? So the Sheamus match, I think, was just a safe, basically a warm-up match for whatever they planned to do with him. They put him in there with someone that's a great worker. Um, I fucking, I'm not calling him Shory G. I'm just not doing it. But uh, those two, I believe, can, what I would do is really hype up the fact that Seamus got this winning come out and be cocky, and then um, you do you do a match where you get, in quotations, Shorty G. Um, you give him a win, and then you have someone, I don't know because they don't have a general manager, but maybe challenge each other to a best of five or something and build off that and make that the storyline, similar to what they did with Seamus um, and Cesaro. I think you could easily do that. Um, but yeah, it was fine. It wasn't anything spectacular. The uh, United States Championship match I liked a lot, but once again, it's it, we've seen this match, and it seems like Humberto always kind of just gets screwed a little bit. So uh, there's some wear there for me. Um, on Monday Night Raw, I liked him pulling it back and showing a little bit of edge, as, as opposed to just being the guy with dimples, smiling and being happy protecting Ray and kind of just dropping Andrade on his head. I think that's a good way to get rid of Andrade because they're planning on continuing this feud. Um, I know Paul Heyman, it's been said that Paul Heyman's super high on uh, Andrade, but eventually the title's going to come off of him if they're going to put him in the main event. So this would be a good way to do that. You could even do something like uh, title versus hair, like a Lucha Rules type deal, uh, which I thought was what they were going to do with Ray, and, and then there were some injuries, and that kind of died off, but... You could plant something like that headed into Mania, especially now that there's a 30-day suspension, and maybe have Andrade have a big Mania moment win the title there. Or not Andrade, uh, sorry, uh, reverse that. Humberto have a big WrestleMania moment win the title there. Then you can move Andrade into whatever else you want. You could have him win money in the bank or whatever uh, down the line. So I, I think that's probably where they're headed. Um, so I didn't have a huge problem with it because it sounds like they're continuing the feud as far as what they did on Monday Night Raw. The match itself was was fine. It, it wasn't anything to write home about. Yeah. It's going to be interesting what happens with that U.S. title. Um, as far as, you know, that and the IC title, they're both kind of those ones that could be just a one-on-one -on -one match, a good feud between two guys at Mania, or they could be like five guys on a ladder, which, if they do it right, I'm fine with that too. Uh, it's just... You know, I'm glad that Paul Heyman sees potential in Andrade because I would like to. Be, I would actually like to see him outside of this picture. It seems like he's doing a good job, but if John, people like John Cena or AJ don't have that title, it's just not really uh, as important uh, to me, at least. Um, all right, so let's move to the main card. We had the first uh, official match on the pay per view 
Roman Reigns going against King Corbin in a Falls Count Anywhere match. And, you know, Chris, you, you nailed it, man. I think you were the one who said that if they decide to actually use the fact that they're in a baseball stadium, uh, the match could be fun. And it was boring as hell at first. I think you messaged me like, oh, God, like, where's this going? And then they got out of there. And then they started traveling out. And then they had the Usos, you know, come in after uh, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler came in. And they had that awesome shot where they're up in the, uh, I don't know, some, some area. And fucking J- Jay Uso comes, or Jimmy Uso comes and does like a flip off of one of the balconies on top of everyone, wiping them out. It would end up with uh, basically Corbin uh, and, and Reigns fighting on top of the Houston Astros dugout. And he speared them, one, two, three, fun match. I guess you could say it was a little bit long. It was slow at first, but once they started picking up speeds, it was entertaining, I would say. Uh, how'd you like this first match between Roman Reigns and King Corbin? And is this fucking it between the two of them in a feud? I don't think it's it. I still think they're going to – I thought the, the stipulation was going to be someone has to eat dog food, so I still feel like that's going to happen down the line. I think Brian Alvarez said that as well. I, I mean, it just – I, I don't know what else they're going to do with Corbin, and I don't think they're going to go straight to Reigns versus Bray because they're going to be building towards Elimination Chamber. Um, so you'll have kind of your little mini feuds in there. I'm assuming Brian will be in that match, um, and then Reigns and probably Corbin, and maybe like a Miz or someone thrown in there. This is like six people. Those would be the, the guys I could think of. Maybe like Miz and I don't know. Yeah, maybe someone from New Day or something. But uh, overall, I like this match a lot. I think it was a little slow. My biggest thing is when they were going through the crowd. It took them like it was like six minutes of them walking through the crowd. So maybe if they could have sped that section up a little bit more, I would have liked the match even more than I did. I love the end spot on top of the dugout with a spear. I thought that was kind of cool. You could tell they went like super easy on the spear because they were like, we don't want to go through this dugout. I'm sure that would cause a lot of people to be pissed off. The porter potty spot was a little weird because he just came out clean from it, which I mean, I, th- I guess you could be like, that's a good or bad thing, depending on how you feel about. I want WWE poop. I want yeah. poop. <laughs> um, but it was a funny moment and watching like Reigns dump him over in the thing and then kind of just like smile at the camera, which was like a, a good hard cam moment and uh craziest spot of the night. And, and this includes a Royal Rumble match, which you usually get the crazy escape spot uh, was definitely, uh, was it, it was Jay that jumped off. One of them, but my God, I think it yeah. was Jay or Jimmy. It was one of them. <laughs> that was nuts. That was a crazy spot. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the match was, you know, for an opening match, I thought it was a lot of fun. I don't know how much fun it would be to watch it if I was there, but on TV, yeah. minus minus the long in between going through the crowds, I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was it was definitely entertaining, man. And uh, you know, it it, it, it it they could have gone in a very very boring direction, and I think they actually turned themselves and put them into a fun match. So good stuff. Then we have the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, I have Forbes' um, version of it pulled up in front of me, so I can have a breakdown of the uh, the entrance of when they came out. And it, it, it's kind of cool, Chris. This gives me who they also eliminated. So do you want me to kind of go in order 
uh, like up to like five at a piece, and then also say who they eliminated. Does that sound good? It's kind of hard to do a Royal Rumble. Yeah, I mean that's fine. We could just go straight to what was it, fourteen, <laughs> and just talk about Brock for a while. It's up to you. Well, this is the woman's one, so luckily he wasn't out there chucking ladies out into the audience. That would have been pretty awkward. Oh, okay. Um, you, you just I, I got you. We're going to do the women's royal. I got you. Sorry. We're looking. I, no, I was looking fine. at it in the wrong order. My bad. Yeah, that sounds fine. You're we'll good. do five, that five, five piece. Okay, so yeah. So Alexa Bliss uh, comes out. Bianca Belair's second person. Alexa eliminates throughout the match Carrie Sane, Mia Yim, and Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair, who kind of had this rivalry with her the whole entire time since they were the first two, she killed it. Uh, she eliminated my um, what should we call it? Um, Mighty Molly or Mighty Holly, whatever. Molly Holly is her name. I hate that that she was actually Mighty Holly. I thought that was stupid. Nikki Cross, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Candice LeRae, Tamina, Dana Brooke, Alexa Bliss, and then she was inevitably eliminated, of course, by Charlotte Flair. We had Mighty Molly who was eliminated by Bianca Belair, like I said. Nikki Cross, who was also eliminated by her, like I said. And then Lana, who eliminates Liv Morgan. Uh, that was kind of the basis. I'll just keep on going. We'll, then afterwards, we'll talk about the details of it. Mercedes-Benz, or Mercedes-Benz, Mercedes Martinez comes out. Uh, she was eliminated by Fire and Desire. It's cool to see her out there. Liv Morgan comes out. She eliminates Lana. They take each other out. And then I think they made out in the audience. I don't remember or care. Uh, Mandy Rose, uh, she eliminated uh, Mercedes Martinez. Um, Cancel Ray comes out. She's eliminated by Bianca Belair. Sonya Deville uh, eliminates uh, Mercedes Martinez. And that's when we're at 10. And I'll throw in the fact that, you know, going into this, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, they're on the same page. They're going to work together. Uh, Sonya thinks that Mandy's, you know, heads in the crap or in the clouds, basically with this whole Otis thing. She tells her straight up, she will eliminate herself to make sure Mandy stays in. Well, there's someone else actually that was there to make sure Mandy uh, stayed in the match, and I thought this was very cute. I, 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 for some reason, I think it's charming the little thing that they have going on between Otis and Mandy. I think it's funny, but do you have a part where Mandy gets thrown? out and she doesn't hit the floor Otis I, I don't know where the hell he was rolls out and was just laying there and she falls out on top of him and she, she smiles he smiles and then she goes back in the ring later on he would try to save both uh Mandy and uh Sonya Deville uh but inevitably got pushed down and you know lost control of both of them uh but you know fun stuff but how, the first 10 entrants if you can think of anything you know, Bianca Belair, so she's 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 on fire, eliminating people like it's nothing throughout it. Alexa Bliss stays in there for a long time. We had uh, Mighty Molly coming out, Cool Beans. I love Molly Holly. I just I never have liked the Mighty Molly persona. I thought it was dumb. Uh, and then all the interactions with Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, and of course Otis. Uh, what did you think about all that, Chris? I mean, I think the highlight of the entire match was probably the Otis catch spot, and then Otis just cheerleading. <laughs> cheerleading, you just randomly hear him like, "You gotta stay in the ring, oh yeah!" <laughs> like in the background on the ring mics, you would hear him yelling stuff, which kind of made it for me. I was like, "Oh, this is okay. This is great." Uh, Molly took like a weird bump and then just did nothing for a long time. Um, also, just call her Molly Holly, like. 
you could say Mighty Molly. I know she came out with a cape or whatever and make a reference to it, but she didn't do any of the spots that she would have done as Mighty Molly. Like, you know what I mean? She didn't do any of the Shane Helms type spin around with your cape kind of gimmick or so I just it's a weird choice and that's Continuity, definitely not my damn it. Well it's well it's not my favorite memories of Molly Holly either, so I don't I don't know who that was supposed to appeal to. Um yeah, and Bianca Bello just looked great kind of throughout the entire rumble. But the rest of it was just kind of status quo, getting people out of the ring until some of the big the bigger names came in there as far as this uh this first little section. But you know, you had the lot you we talked about Lana, right? So Lana does the uh Hulk Hogan thing and uh pulls a Sid Vicious on Liv. So that set up that match on Monday Night Raw and I guess that feud will continue, even though Lana got squashed. Uh, when we get to Raw, I mean, that was pretty much a squash match, so I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with that unless Lana is going to hire Nia Jax or something to be her bodyguard or something of that nature. Um, hmm. That's interesting. He could do something like that, and I think it would be interesting. Uh, but yeah, once again, that's complete fantasy booking. I just know Nia should be ready to come back at this point. Uh, headed, headed into Mania, it would make a lot of sense. Especially if they're going to do a women's elimination chamber or something. Uh, in general, I thought it was, you know, the the fun, the, the big fun spot was the Otis thing. And, and he was under the ring. And I get, like, people are like, well, how the hell did he just end up there? I get it. It's But it's a Royal Rumble. I think he could have been, like, the ring slightly was broken or something. And they sent people out to repair it and kind of made it a bigger deal. And then he, like, slid out with a construction hat on or something because, you know, they were – heavy machinery it would have been funny i think he could have added some stuff to it but outside of that i mean i thought it was a fun spot and probably the highlight of the highlight of the match until there's the one spot with bianca belair eliminating alexa bliss which you're going to talk about later which i thought was a cool spot um and outside of that just pretty much i mean we're we're going to go through it but pretty much nothing really happens until Shayna shows up at least of note yep I would agree. Uh, just because I kind of remembered, um, it just came to my mind. Wanted to make mention about a couple injuries uh, to let everyone know. I think we talked about the AJ Styles one. Uh, apparently, he's he's he should be out only for like two months, if not a little bit longer. They thought it looked a, a lot worse. Uh, before this, my pick to win it uh, is apparently injured right now, and she wasn't uh, allowed to do this. So that was Sasha Banks. That's why she wasn't out there. Uh, I know Io Shirai got injured from, I, I believe, last NXT, so she's going to be out for a little while, which sucks. Or was she in this? I don't think she was. I think that was the reason why she was out. Um, no, they had Zaya and Mia Yim. I'm trying to remember all the – they had a ton of NXT talent in the match, but did. Yeah, I have Io a... was not one of them. So EO is going to be out for a little while, and it looks like Samoa Joe on Monday got a pretty bad concussion. Uh, so that could be – I mean, concussions are scary because we don't know the severity of it. So a couple injuries, uh, unfortunately, have happened around the Rumble, um, which, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. Let's continue with the women's um, the women's match itself. Uh, we had Kerry Sane come out at eleven who gets eliminated by Alexa Bliss. Mia Yim, also Alexa, uh, Alexa Bliss was on fire. Her and Bianca Belair for the beginning were just like kind of going toe-to-toe before she gets eliminated by her. Uh, we had uh, Dana Brooke come out, Tamina, Dakota Kai, 
Chelsea Green, who just like losing in a roll-up on NXT, uh, came out for the first time, and she gets eliminated almost immediately by Dakota Kai, or, or by Alexa Bliss, after eliminating Dakota Kai, I should say. Charlotte comes out. We know what happens there, but she eliminates Bianca Belair. She eliminates Sarah Logan, Kelly Kelly. She eliminates Sarah Logan. I don't even think I don't even remember her being in the ring. I think I looked and then came back and she was gone already. Um, and then Shayna Baszler. I believe Kelly Kelly actually was asked to come in because Sasha couldn't uh, do the rumble. I think that was actually the thing. Uh, Naomi came in, which was awesome to see her back. Huge pop. Did the whole glow thing. Had an awkward uh, part. I, I don't know if it just didn't work out that well, where she got up on the announce table and she was trying to get herself back in the ring and she used the top folding part and was trying to, like, walk across it, which she inevitably did, but did not think that that would work. Once again, gets in the ring. Uh, shortly afterwards, she's eliminated um, by Miss Shayna Baszler. But we had then Beth Phoenix come in and then Tony Storm come in. I want to talk about Beth Phoenix, too, in a second, but I'll wait until we get to tell you. Beth Phoenix, you can say what you want about her, but, man, she's tough. She got busted open. The only reason she was in the Rumble for was for that one spot with Santina, and she's busted open the back of the head. She, I guess she hit her, her head on top of um, one of the ring posts, just completely split it open, and she's wrestling like, fuck it. So, especially with uh, – I like the stuff with her and Natty, but um, – yeah, I'll, I'll let you get back and comment uh, on uh, some of the other entrants that just came in. Kind of sucked the way that they used Kairi Sane. Kind of saw it coming, though. Did she even get an insane elbow? Yeah, she, she got at least the insane got one elbow, last year. I was say. Yeah, I was going to say she at least got her finisher, but the, some of the stuff was just shot so weird that you, you didn't see everything. It was very quick, so yeah, she did get her finisher off. Um, like I said, this was kind of a down point in the, the rumble. I, Beth Phoenix obviously is a monster being able to work through that. Cause she was, I mean, she was like bleeding that good old dusty roads kind of bleed going on the back of her head there. So I don't know how bad she was actually busted open, but it was, yeah, I mean, it was like the back of her hair was matted. Um, and she just worked through it. I, I thought the Santina stuff I could always do without, which I think you're. Yeah, I, I'm getting a little confused on where we're at at this point in the rumble. We're, these are always <laughs> hard to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know where where I don't even know kind of where we're at in the match. But for the most part, this was a little bit of a lull period. Like I said, I mean, the Otis spot was really cool. You had the Santina spot, which was whatever. I get it. They were former tag team. The Beth and uh, Beth Phoenix and Natalia stuff was was fun. Maybe that sets up something down the road, I guess, uh, if they wanted to do that, especially with Edge being back. Um, Natalia yeah, eliminated. This, some... When Natalia comes in, she inevitably gets thrown out by Beth Phoenix, so they can set up something in the future if they want between the two of them. Have they ever squared off, or have they always been partners? Oh, no, they've squared off in the past. I mean, Beth Phoenix, when she was champion, she kind of fought everyone. Um, and then you got more into the diva stuff like Kelly Kelly, which we haven't I, – I know we haven't gotten to that yet because that's the one thing that I definitely am going to shit on. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll we'll just keep going and see what happens. But, hey, this, there, this rumble in comparison to the male rumble, which we'll talk about later, uh, wasn't booked as well. 
to say the least. And maybe that's there was some shift in rosters, Sasha being injured. I don't know. That's kind of hard, of a hard thing to say, but uh, there there was definitely some things I didn't like about the the women's rumble, so to speak. Yeah, no offense to Kelly Kelly, but if it is true that they asked her to, like last minute to come in and be a part of the rumble because of Sasha, they couldn't have thought of like what the fuck is Mickey James doing right now? You know, what I'm saying like why Kelly Kelly? Let's call her. I mean, even Michelle well, McCool at that point. Yeah, well, Mickey has had to have her ACL replay or like ACL surgery. Oh. So I think that she's probably gone for six months to a year. And I, I don't know that she's going to be the quickest one to come back anyways, with the way that they were okay. have been utilizing her. Um, but I, I, I get what you're saying though. You could have, like, I, I don't know. What's Lita doing? That's a better question. <laughs> Is Lita on the yeah. out for WWE again? Trish? <laughs> uh, well, weird. Trish had her. Trish, I think Trish had her legit last match. I think she is done, done, and that was a, for me, that was a good send off for her. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to see her come back. But like Lita, for instance, yeah. I think you could probably bring back her. Um, uh, and there's other people they could have pulled up. Uh, it's whatever. Kelly Kelly's fine. I just Tony was it Tony Storm that took a stink face. Like, that's where yeah. you want Tony Storm to be at. Like, you want to make your NXT people like geeks? Okay. Like, she's... <laughs> that was my biggest problem. Is like, why the fuck is Tony Storm taking a stink face in the middle of this Royal Rumble um, from Kelly Kelly, who, to me, and the same thing with Santina, are, are dark spots on female wrestling, <laughs> things that shouldn't exist with the women's evolution and the fact that you even want to eliminate the term women from the division and title, like putting fucking Santina in the ring and Kelly Kelly are the opposite of what Becky has recently been talking about. That's very true. That's very true. Speaking about Tony storm, she was 20. Uh, we had Kelly Kelly speaking about her. She was 21. Uh, Sarah Logan, like I said, uh, thrown out like a pinball, at 22, Natalia came in and started helping out Beth Phoenix at 23, Zia Lee at 24, Zelina Vega at 25, Shotzi Blackheart, cool to see her in there, 26, 27 was Carmella, uh, 28 was Tegan Knox. 29 was Santino, or Santina Marilla, uh, who eliminated himself, a little comedy in there, uh, I kind of agree with Chris on uh, everything that he said, but you know. He already talked about it. And then the last one was Shayna Baszler. She made a beeline. She took out Zia Lee, Tegan Knox, Selena Vega, Shotzi Blackheart, Carmella, Tony Storm, Naomi, and Beth Phoenix. And inevitably it would be her and uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, Charlotte. And Charlotte won. And the audience was mad. They were angry. <laughs> if, if this ends up being where Charlotte's going to say she's going to come they're going to try to use mania as a way to elevate NXT a bit which if I were to do that I would only use the women's and the men's heavyweight championships for what you do on the takeover is you utilize your UK champion Walter uh your UK women's champion if Tony Storm is that person you kind of put those in that slot you have now the cruiserweight title there's stuff you can still do for the women's, if Charlotte wants to, for some reason, because Rhea's really hot, I know that uh, Ronda Rousey was just on the, uh, not on the bump, but uh, Corey's podcast, saying that at least 
that we're supposed to believe. Remember, Edge said he wasn't coming to Royal Rumble, but from what Ron is saying, she is not going to be at WrestleMania. But she wants, she would love to have a match, and if she would pick anyone, it would be Charlotte against Rhea Ripley. But she wants a match against either one of them if she was wrestling right now. So a lot of signs are pointing towards this concept. I think it would be really cool. Um, Charlotte goes, says, Rhea, you beat me. I'm taking your belt. And, you know, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Helps both ladies out. You have Shayna go for Becky, however you want to set that up. And then I don't know what the hell you do with the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, you have um, – I, I really don't know. Have Bailey go against someone, I guess. I don't know. Get Naomi in there. Is she on SmackDown? What the fuck? Anyways, Chris. <laughs> That's a good question. Where the hell is is Naomi on SmackDown or Raw? Because during that draft, they were, I think, suspended. So I think they're on SmackDown, but I'm also not 100% sure. I know the Usos are on SmackDown, so I would assume Naomi is on SmackDown. You could do something with her. Uh, I mean, I guess the thing you have is that at least you have the Eliminations Chamber. You can do a Women's Elimination Chamber. Yes. So you think and, Elimination Chamber is going to be the uh, SmackDown title? That's how they're going to figure that one out? Yeah, obviously Shane is going you, against Becky. Do that. If Charlotte is going against Rhea, then obviously Shane is probably going to go for Becky is what I'm assuming. Yeah, and it's – and they booked Shayna super strong in the Rumble, and they already have that kind of built-in feud with her and Becky, and it makes the most sense to have those two super confident badasses go against each other because I don't think anyone really wants to see Charlotte versus Becky again. Um, no. But Charlotte versus Sasha Banks, if you can tug on the nostalgia, if she's going to be ready by Elimination Chamber, you could have Sasha win at Elimination Chamber um, if you wanted to go that route, or you could do the Rhea Ripley thing which is fine. I, I think that would also be something really cool to do. Um, and maybe they even do something where they set that up through Elimination Chamber. Elimination Chamber, I think, is going to be interesting for the SmackDown side and the Raw side. It, it, it'll be interesting to see if they rotate in one person who isn't on the main roster to draw attention to the brand. I think that would be a smart thing to do. Um but yeah, I, mean, I think the SmackDown title just—if you go that route, Sasha wins. She beats. It's just her and Bailey. They're in that cage together. Whatever. Maybe even tell this sad story of like Sasha's number one, and she has to make her way all the way to the end, and, and Becky's being a shit heel. Um, and you put Sasha over as a babyface. You give her the win at Elimination Chamber. She has the title. That's your feud headed into Mania. Um. I don't necessarily like it, but I think that's probably the smartest way to go. I will say this. The elimination that Shayna took did not make her come off very smart or strong. I don't know if it was just they botched the head scissor spot and wanted to make it safe, and then they reset it. But uh, it's like she escaped it and maybe thought there was another spot after, and it never came. So she just went back over to the ropes and got put in the head scissors again and topped out. Uh, that sucked. But outside of that, you know, Charlotte winning, I have zero problems with. It's going to set up a big match, and there's going to be stuff for – I think there's a lot of things that the fans are going to get that they're not expecting. Like like I said, we'll, we'll, at least people they like. Like, so Shayna losing is probably not that big of a deal because Shayna versus Becky, right? That'll be a big match. Um, Charlotte, it, it, barring, you know, Ronda coming back or something, you see Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley, which would be something very fun. Um, and you could also, 
you know, like I said, with the Elimination Chamber, you could even get the other two four horsewomen, um, Becky and Bailey, to have something. WrestleMania is going to have a fuck ton of matches on it this year, so that that in itself is poses a problem. Well, if it's if it's true that you know most likely Undertaker is not going to be in a match, and I don't see even if he fucking says whatever John Cena being there. I mean, get to the meat of it. Get to the championship matches and and the big feuds, and and don't try to get extra stuff that's not necessary, you know, so it's not fucking six hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I agree with you there 100%. I mean, and, and like, Ronda saying she's not going to wrestle doesn't mean she's not going to be at WrestleMania, because I think the idea I pitched was, like, that she's a special guest I love that idea. for one of these matches. Or, like, an enforcer or something. And I think that's an easy way to get her associated with Mania. And you can build a storyline out of that if she decides she wants to wrestle, like, say, SummerSlam down the line. Mm -hmm. Because I'm assuming what she's saying is, like, I haven't been in the wrestling ring since I left. (laughs) I would need more time to get up to speed than than Mania would be my guess. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but her coming in as a special guest referee that just hooks an arm bar on someone or something, I you know, I could easily see them doing that. If they can set that up with the Shayna thing, where maybe Shayna does something to Ronda, and then so Ronda's split in the middle, but she's still the referee. Because if it's if it's Ronda's the referee and Shayna's going against Becky, Becky's fucked in that scenario because Ronda wants to kill her too. So if they could make that work, that would be an awesome element to throw in there for sure. Yeah, and it goes. It plays into the whole Ken Shamrock when he was dealing with, uh, you know, Brett and Austin, or uh, you know, Mike Tyson with Sean being kind of a dick to him in the middle of the match. You could the referee can kind of change or call it straight down the middle, whatever, and then you can build off of that. So I think that would be the way I would go if you want to get Ronda involved, uh, as opposed to her having a match, but. Um, and you can always build that match out later if you want to go that route. Like her and Shayna, you could do that like down the line if if somehow Shayna feels slighted because her best friend didn't fast count or whatever. Yep. All right. So let's let's get through these uh, these three um, the three matches before the Rumble. Uh, I feel so bad about this, but I mean the Bailey and Lacey Evans match was not that great. Uh, that was the match. For the audience, I think watching, actually at the the the, uh, the place, including my buddy Hoyt, that's where everyone chose to go get you know go to the bathroom and get popcorn, uh, and it it just came off after the women's match. The match was fine. I think I've seen both ladies, especially Bailey, do better uh, even against each other, and Bailey won against Lacey Evans. So I guess that's it. Um, after that, the Fiend Bray Wyatt won against Daniel Bryan. And um, I actually thought this was a pretty damn good match. For one thing that everyone was happy on, I think we can all agree, no fucking red light. But I love that dichotomy of The Fiend being so close to Daniel Bryan that he could just, like I was hoping, use him like a friggin' yo-yo if he wanted to, just pull him forward. But Daniel Bryan, after taking a million whips with his damn leather strap, his back looked like hamburger meat, you know, he just, his intensity, he was just nonstop and non-persistent. And even though The Fiend won, this is definitely, in my opinion, the best Fiend match, which isn't saying much, honestly. But I just, it just proves that Daniel Bryan can have a good match with everyone. 
<laughs> pretty much. And um, we had also Becky going against Asuka for the Royal Women's Championship. I thought this was a pretty good match. I thought they, they both beat the shit out of each other. I like how, you know, Asuka's been so used to using the Poison Mist that it kind of got the better of her. And Becky did defeat her, but I don't think it made Asuka look too weak. She was dominating for a good portion of the beginning. So uh, three good singles match leading into the Royal Rumble. Chris, what did you think about the both women's uh, title matches and then the uh, the Universal Championship itself? The Lacey Evans match started out kind of strong and then just fell off a cliff. And, and I think some of that had to do with the fans. Um you know, going, I'm just being tired or whatever. Uh, definitely there wasn't a lot of the, uh, a lot of fan activity. Lacey Evans, I thought was going to die when she went to hit that moonsault. I don't know if she was blown up or what, uh, where Bailey like had the knee, you know, headed towards that finish, uh, where Bailey blocked it. And then she, I think she, but she, she did a roll up. So I'm assuming that this is going to go down the line a little bit. I think the idea, and the, part of this is the announcers. She pulled pull. the tights, too. Yeah, so they didn't really put that over either. And once again, it's a roll-up finish on a pay-per-view, which people aren't going to be super into. Um, I don't know. Like I said, Elimination Chamber, Lacey Evans is a name he can throw in there. There's still stuff he can do with her. They should have just did the character from the beginning. Um, and the focus on the daughter, like, like uh, the daughter obviously knows it's – work <laughs> because she's like making cat sounds as, as Bailey's beating her mother in front of her like she's that kid did not care at all <laughs> about mom getting her ass kicked which to me made me laugh a lot but I was like I don't think that was the aesthetic they were going for uh, much like the uh which we brought up last week the hell in a cell cell with Al Snow and and uh, Big Boss Man, where the dogs are just like laying around and taking shits. That's kind of what the kid did for that aesthetic. Um, but for uh, for the uh, the fiend the fiend match, I thought this was definitely the best fiend match. The uh, the lack of the red light was something that made me very very happy. I hope Daniel Bryan was like, "We're not doing that fucking red light," <laughs> and he's Daniel Bryan, so. <laughs> He got that over. He was like, you want red light? Then I'm not doing the next Bella's uh, <laughs> reality TV show. And I, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know that that happened. They're both pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, could, he could easily put that one over uh, <laughs> uh, to not John have the Cena red was light. Like, you I think can't see good. me. <laughs> oh, man. That's harsh. <laughs> that He's actually been in all the Fast and the Furious movies. We just haven't been able to see him, right? The, but, um, no, so the I, the one one spot I really liked that I thought the fans kind of got into and that I got into personally watching it was Daniel Bryan's yes kicks where he was hitting the kick and then slapping him in the face with the with the strap. So he hit a kick yeah, and dude. slap him with a strap, hit a kick and slap him with a strap. Like he was trying to kill the fiend to the best of his ability. Fiend wins, makes sense. Um, I think. If you really want to put the fiend over, you do the elimination chamber. He starts it. He's one of the people that starts it, and he's got to fight his way all the way through it. And um, I think that's probably the way to handle it. But yeah, I, I like that match a lot. I thought it was pretty fucking good. Probably the if you look at it as just the matches, if you take out the rumble, um, I would say probably the best match on the card. 
Um, the next match, the Becky Lynch Oscar match, I thought was a really good match. I like that Becky finally got her win back, and I like uh, on Raw that she was way more confident. Um, and you know, she kind of got that chip off of her shoulder of never beating Oscar. Um, but yeah, the match itself was really, really good. You can tell both people worked hard. Um, Carrie being there didn't cause enough distraction for me to care about it. Like they didn't overdo that. And, and, um, hmm, what was I going to say? The, the, the block spot that they did with the green mist, I thought was a good way to, uh, to have to lead to the finish. So I actually like that match quite a bit as well. Um, I will say, and I forgot to bring this up in the, in the rumble review, but I'm pretty sure Zelina Vega had like a super shredder coat on. And if so, that's fucking awesome. Cause the previous rumble, she had a uh, Vega mask on from street fighter two. So she keeps doing that. Like easily becoming one of my favorites <laughs> in general, someone do something with her. She's training with Aleister black. I just saw a video she posted on Twitter where she looked pretty fucking good in the ring. Like, Let's do something with Zelina Vega other than manager. Yeah, no shit. I agree with you completely on that. Um, she's very similar uh, to how I feel about Penelope Ford in AEW. I think that Penelope Ford is a damn good wrestler, and I like to see her more than just a valet. But they're both great at their job, too, and they're both gorgeous. Um, so, yeah. All right, let's talk about the Men's Royal Rumble. This was pretty fucking crazy. Because I didn't – I mean, I could have seen Brock do this a, the, a couple times. I didn't think he was going to get to 13 uh, or at least up to 11, just nonstop elimination. So we have Brock Lesnar come out. He's number one. Number two is Elias, who had a song about uh, – what the hell was it? The uh, S- Sacrificial Lamb was the name of the song. But he was trying to make yeah. it look like Brock Lesnar was going to be the Sacrificial Lamb. It's it, it, all right. Let's stop here because Brock takes this fucking guitar. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Gimmick, and he hits him with the opposite side of it. So he didn't even hit him with Ugh. the back flat part. He hit him with the strings right across the back. And then he just like sees that it doesn't break and just nonchalantly tosses it over the ropes. And I'm like, Brock Lesnar is awesome. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. that was my, that's how I thought about the, and then he, of course he just fucking threw Elias out. But um, the sacrificial lamb song is like, man, they really <laughs> hate you, Elias. Like, <laughs> I knew for sure he was getting tossed. <laughs> God damn. Uh, so Elias comes out. Like we just said, thrown out. Eric Rowan, three, comes out, thrown out. Uh, Robert Roode, four, comes out, thrown out. Five, John Morrison, you'd expect to get a little bit. I already talked about it. Comes out, thrown out. Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston's able to kind of slow it down a bit. Uh, He makes a little bit more effort until Rey Mysterio comes out. Both of them are going after Brock. Big E comes out after that. Biggie starts coaching everyone, says, you know, we're going to take it to him. Let's go, guys. Rah, rah, rah. All of them get fucking eliminated. <laughs> uh, Shelton Benjamin comes out. This was so awesome. So, so uh, you know, he comes out. This has been established. Wrestling fans know this, of the history between Brock Lesnar and Shelton Benjamin. They're best friends, went to college together, did uh, wrestling together in college, uh, you know, went to OVW together. They were on a tag team first uh, came up together 
you know, both got called up to WWE together. Uh, so they have a history, and it was kind of established uh, beforehand within the storyline. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I forgot exactly what, but this got brought up again. So he gets there, Paul Heyman's all like smiles, gives him a kiss on the cheek, says, we are so excited to have you. Go up there, Brock wants to see you. It reminded me of something like out of Goodfellas or some shit, like he's about to get whacked. And we all knew it, including Booker T, that, you know, Brock isn't a big hug. He's like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to take everyone out and it'll just be me and you. Uh, a trend that keeps on happening in the Royal Rumble. Uh, and uh, then he just takes fucking Shelton Benjamin and throws him the fuck out. So that was that was all that. Uh, then after that, we had Shinsuke comes out, throwing the fuck out. MVP, who retired after Monday, got one last match with Rey Mysterio, and apparently that's going to be his last one. That's what he's saying, at least. Thought he's going to do a couple dates. I think he's going to become a producer in the back. But, yeah, it took Keith Lee coming out, finally, and going toe-to-toe with Brock Lesnar, followed by Braun Strowman and, and the three of them colliding. But at first, the two of them going against Brock Lesnar and then Keith Lee and Braun get into it. And then Brock just takes them and dumps them both out. Then Ricochet comes out. He kind of lasts enough for Drew McIntyre to come out. Ricochet, uh, you know, gets to a point where Brock's not looking, hits him in the balls. And then Claymore, Brock's taken out by Drew McIntyre. So we'll pause right here, Chris. This is the buildup of Brock Lesnar. He tied the record. He had 13 people that he eliminated. Uh, Eric Rowan, Elias, Robert Roode, John Morrison, Kofi, Ray, Biggie, Cesaro, Shelton, Shinsuke, MVP, Keith Lee, Braun Strowman. And he is eliminated by the guy that will inevitably win the Men's Royal Rumble, Drew McIntyre. Um, thought this was – and I know a lot of people probably get pissed off – if you switch Dolph Ziggler to John Morrison, I don't have a damn problem with it. Dolph is a bump and feeder. I know he wouldn't give a shit. Let him get flip-flopped out of there. Let John Morrison have, like, a little bit of showtime since he just came back. That's my only critique. Other than that, I thought this was fucking awesome. How'd you like Brock Lesnar showing in the Royal Rumble? I loved Brock Lesnar showing in the Royal Rumble. I know it would probably, like, some fans were probably super pissed off, but watching him just toss these people in different <laughs> – different ways suplexing people left and right being Brock um, bringing back the Brock party when MVP's music hit he started dancing which I popped for I was like oh the Brock party's back (laughs) if you remember (laughs) money in the bank (laughs) we need more of Brock dancing that's that's what WWE needs actually Um, I liked that you know they they didn't make New Day look like geeks Per se, I mean, it's Brock, so he's going to get offense. But, uh, you know, Kofi hit his move. Biggie hit his move. Ray hit his move, but it's Brock. So he tossed them all out. So at least they didn't, like, just immediately get him uh, eliminated, which I thought was fine because obviously the match isn't about building them. Same thing with Morrison. Like, I didn't have a huge problem with it. Does it really matter if he hangs around for 30 minutes? No one's really going to remember it. Like, they're just going to remember he never won a rumble. Like Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is, like, lasted the longest in Royal Rumbles in history, but he never won one. But that's a weird fact that, like, I would know. You know what I mean? So it's it's whatever. They're going to build John. I think John Morrison and Miz are just going to be a tag team, probably go against the New Day and do some stuff there. That seems kind of what they're going with. I don't think they know what they have in John Morrison, basically. Um, but, yeah, it's – all the way up until Ricochet, Brock is just incredible. And I like Ricochet, you know, 
Brock's only weakness, he gets hit in the balls, which he, you would think Shinsuke would know this, but he's not from Gainesville. If he was from Gainesville, Georgia, Brock would have definitely got hit in the balls by Shinsuke Nakamura, but because he wasn't, he had to save it till Ricochet. And uh, I like the, the Claymore kick. I love that uh, McIntyre is getting over this one, two, three thing that he's only been doing for two weeks. The fans are yeah. super behind that. Um, I, I think that I was a cool elimination. Yeah, it was like he did it on one Raw, and people were like, that's cool. <laughs> he's counting. <laughs> wrestling fans are like Sesame Street God, fans. I know I am. Wrestling fans are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I love like, that one, two, three shit. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it's great. I, I like it when it's not Iron Man matches. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So yeah, that was great. Um, I like the elimination. I thought Brock looked strong. I thought it told the good story and it set up the rest of the match. Especially when you start getting to like when we start getting to the twenties, that's when shit gets uh, very, very interesting and set up a really good finish to this rumble. This rumble is probably the best rumble I've seen in the past five years. I'm not going to lie. Like easily. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. All right. So Drew would eliminate Ricochet. Miz comes out. Uh, he's eliminated by Drew McIntyre. Then AJ comes out and Dolph Ziggler comes out and you have Carl Anderson. They start teaming together basically. Uh, uh, against against uh, whatchamacallit, um, Drew McIntyre, just the three of them. Then, I mean, let's just talk about this right now, Chris. We didn't, neither one of us had predictions on Edge because I think we put that on the same plateau almost as like CM Punk because Edge straight out said 70 million fucking times, I am not coming back. I'm not going to be at the Royal Rumble. But lo and behold, Honestly, nicely, music fucking hits. Audience goes nuts. Hoyt said it was so loud, like from where he is, and they're in a fucking a stadium. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it was it was incredible. It was great to see him. He looked in terrific shape. Definitely older, but just looked badass, man. And I know Edge to you. You watch wrestling throughout that time. I kind of fell off when he was becoming big, but Edge was one of your favorites back then during that era. How did you feel about seeing Edge return to the Royal Rumble? I was just so pumped as soon as I heard, almost <laughs> Like every time I hear that song, I get so hyped, regardless of what Edge is doing. I love Edge. I'm a huge Edge head. It was great to see him come back and see him come back in what shape he is and knowing that he cleared a physical and knowing that he was going to eventually be there. I didn't expect him in the Rumble, but he showed up. Because I feel like if he showed up in the Rumble, he just needs to win the fucking thing, which they proved me wrong on Raw. So props Paul Heyman uh, in crew for booking that. Paul Heyman and Vince coming up with what they came up with. Uh, but, man, it absolutely fucking incredible. I've marked out. I'm not going to lie. I didn't necessarily jump off my couch and, and film it on Twitter and shit, but I, you know, inside my heart, I was, I was marking pretty hard. Yeah. So edge comes out. Um, that's one of the unfortunate thing. He, he speared a bunch of people one after the other and AJ, I mean, it's kind of similar to like Dolph got pissed. Actually, I'll start off with this. I was going to say they're similar when they comes to bumping and feeding because they put everything into it. Well, Dolph did that, and I think he, you know, it was Edge's first fucking spear back in the ring, and the cameraman pans to the goddamn audience for a reaction to the first one. So I thought that was, kind of sucked. 
uh, I think it was the fourth person or fifth person he got was AJ. AJ also took a huge bump and fell wrong on his shoulder. That's why he's going to be out for a little while. Uh, it looked a lot worse than apparently what it is because it, he looked like he separated it completely, like he was just hanging there. Uh, if you go back, he kind of tells the referee what's up. He tells uh, one t- uh, one point Baron Corbin kind of to back off from him, and then he tells Edge to eliminate him, and it looked like Edge was a little bit concerned by that. But AJ said recently Edge had nothing to do with it. It was what I did in the rotation and just felt weird, and that's how it is. You know, AJ's got to be careful, man. He's not as young as he used to be, and um, he's still fucking phenomenal, but he even admits this is his last, you know, last contract basically, and I forgot how many years it is, but he wants to slow it down after that, and I kind of believe that he's going to pull Shawn Michaels, well, not come back to Saudi Arabia 10 years later, but just kind of go off into the sunset and on his own terms. Uh, but we had King Corbin come out, Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle was doing awesome, then King Corbin throws Matt Riddle out, uh, Luke Gallows comes out, heels are dominating, Randy Orton comes out, Randy Orton teams with Edge, he eliminates uh, Carl Anderson, uh, Edge eliminates Luke Gallows, and uh, then we get we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Randy Orton and Edge are, like I said, rated RKO. They're working together. We have Roman Reigns come out, Kevin Owens, Aleister Black, Samojo, and then the last person, Seth Rollins. So basically, uh, you know, everyone's annihilating each other. Seth Rollins comes out. He's got his whole whole entire entourage with him. And, uh, you know, Buddy Murphy, AOP, they're all around the ring surrounding it, not allowing Seth to get eliminated. Uh, Buddy Murphy causes Aleister Black, who apparently, side note, uh, apparently was in talks originally to win the Rumble, and they went with Drew McIntyre instead. And I love Aleister Black. I'm a huge mark for him. But I think they went with the right thing because Aleister needs about another year. I think this is a good move with Drew McIntyre. But – Aleister Black, nonetheless, because of Buddy Murphy getting his foot caught, gets eliminated by Seth Rollins. Uh, Rollins eliminates Joe, and he also eliminates Kevin Owens with some tomfoolery. He stomps Roman Reigns, his once best friend. Uh, After that, Aleister Black, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe starts beating the shit out of AOP and um, Buddy Murphy. And it's left with just Seth Rollins in the ring. With Roman Reigns, his only friend that he just fucked over, basically. Rated RKO and, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Drew McIntyre. So, he's screwed, and uh, who the hell eliminates him? Oh, he was eliminated by Drew McIntyre, inevitably. He just gets ping-ponged around. <laughs> uh, you know, just, I, I think he, t- he takes a Superman punch, and then Edge throws him into the, the uh, slam that Randy Orton does. Um, and then... From there, he's Claymored, done. So that's the four of them. And Drew McIntyre and Rated RKO, they take out Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. And, you know, Randy's kind of calling the spots and stuff like that. And at one point, Edge gets a little bit forward, and you see Randy go down, pulling his Jake the Snake Roberts shit. You know, you can never trust this motherfucker. And Edge catches him. And Randy's like, yeah, man, you know, just like nonchalantly. That's what I love about it, Chris. He's just nonchalantly like, he's like, yeah, man, you know, sorry, sorry, you caught me. I'm not going to do it, you know, no big deal. And then Edge and them go to do something else. I think they gave a double RKO to Roman Reigns. 
And then Edge takes fucking Randy and chucks him. And he's like, no, you were going to screw me over. And my favorite part of the audio that was caught is Randy's out in the audience. And he's like, whatever. Like, you know, just puts his hands up. And like, whatever. And gets out. And then it's three guys. Uh, Edge, and, Edge and Roman Reigns basically have a spear off, if you will, where Edge is getting the better. They end up on the, the apron. Uh, and Roman inevitably gets Edge out. And then the Claymore happens. Uh, was Roman after a little bit of back and forth by Drew McIntyre and Drew McIntyre, the Royal Rumble winner. So a lot more stuff to absorb in the men's Royal Rumble. You know, we went over the first half was about Brock Lesnar. This is about Edge's, you know, redemption, if you will, and Drew McIntyre winning the Rumble. What do you think about the end of it? I there. Oh, so I actually love the fact that Seth brought the entire crew. And it fuck at the end of the day, it actually fucked him over <laughs> more than anything else. Uh, when he's standing in the center of the ring and he's like puts his hand out, like we're still bros, Roman. Come on, and Roman's like, come on, dude, you just gave me a curb stomp. Not that it matters because like I could take twelve of these just like Bray. Um, <laughs> not just kidding, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, that was funny. The ping pong moment was funny. Uh, you know, Kevin got some stunners in, so I thought that was cool. That that setup for all that stuff was was great. I liked the finish of the match. Um, there was something I wanted to talk about that I didn't necessarily care for, but I forgot what it was. Thinking about all the stuff I actually liked, so um, very very fun Rumble, man. I, like all around, one of like I said, one of the best ones I've seen in the past five years. Definitely better than uh, when Roman won. <laughs> And people were literally chanting for Rusev because he was outside of the ring. And they're like, hey, we know Rusev's still in this. And Rusev was – at that time, this was before Rusev Day and Rusev being over with the fans. They're like, let's chant for Rusev. The Rock comes out gets booed. I mean if you look at the past Royal Rumbles in the past five years, Batista wins, right? I mean even – maybe even 10 years. I don't know. This is one of the best ones for sure that I've seen in a long time, and I think they told a good story. I like the edge. You know, Roman eliminating edge, It while it sucks because you want edge to win as a fan, it also sets Roman up to make the fans disappointed if he wins, and then you get the huge pop when, when Drew takes him out. So I just thought like overall the last like five to ten minutes of this match were booked as about as perfect as you could book them as far as a Royal Rumble goes, and you get a big guy, a big star over that carries over into Monday Night Raw. Um, yeah, I I just don't have that much negative to say about it, honestly. All, all around, it, I thought it was very, very good. What, what are your thoughts, Dane? Um, honestly, like, and I've been watching a lot of them lately. Not the latter ones, but it's so much easier for me to go back to the early Rumbles. But very well booked, man. Very well booked, uh, entertaining, you know, uh, stuff out of nowhere. Brock beating everyone, crazy. Edge coming back, fucking crazy. I love the shit with him and Randy Orton, what they did in that ring, and then setting it up for Monday Night Raw. I thought everything was pretty flawless. The only thing, I, like I said, and I, I don't think Dolph would have given a shit, just to give John Morrison a little bit more, Put Dolph at the beginning, let him get taken out immediately, and let John Morrison throw a little bit of offense out there. Uh, he's already—I think he's still a heel, so it really wouldn't have changed anything storyline-wise. But I mean, that's a minor, minor nitpick. 
I, and, and AJ, obviously, I wish that he didn't hurt himself because that fucking sucks. Would like to have seen what they were going to do with that story beat that probably got prematurely taken away. But like I said, other than that, man, awesome shit. I didn't need The Undertaker in it. I didn't need John Cena in it. I didn't need a lot of that. I thought that what we got was pretty damn good. And if it's just MVP and Edge coming back, that's pretty awesome because give MVP a little bit of, a, you know, closure with, with this and then what happens on Raw. And Edge is now making his comeback return, so that's pretty fucking cool. But yeah, the, ready the, to move on to the, Raw the, real quick? Well, before we go, I do want to bitch about one thing that I just remembered as we were going through. Matt Riddle, come on, man. Like, yeah, yep. If you're going to have him That's get tossed thing. by anyone, have him tossed by Brock, which I guess they had a confrontation or something, but at least give him some more offense than that. And and also, Baron Corbin doesn't need the heat from tossing him. I think he could have easily had him. I think it would have meant more if he got Claymore kicked or something as opposed to Corbin throwing him out of the ring. I guess it was the choice of having Baron Corbin throw him out of the ring that pissed me off more than anything else. But outside of that, Edge coming back, fucking awesome, man. Love Edge. It was great. Yep. And apparently, no matter what happened, Matt Riddle didn't get thrown out because of a confrontation with Brock Lesnar. That was, I guess, going to happen no matter what. Just seems kind of silly and and weak to me, uh, honestly. Um, That whole fucking situation's weird, man. The way that Booker T's talking about it, he thinks he's fucking, that Matt Riddle gets set up, and we'll probably see the camera stuff, because what he said is, Booker T was saying that they were doing some promos, him and Keith Lee, beforehand, and they were talking about being in the Royal Rumble and what it means to them and how cool it is, and it was either for something online they were doing or for, I'm assuming, like one of those documentaries they put in. Um, And he was asked about Brock Lesnar at there, and that's how Brock overheard it is that he was talking in an interview literally there and came up to him. And there was not a confrontation. Apparently he just came up to his shoulder and goes, hey, man, I would stop putting my name in your mouth and tagging me and everything because we're never going to work together. And Matt Riddle tried to explain to him, and Brock walked off. That is it. That is all that happened. And honestly, when it comes to money, Brock's going to do whatever the fuck, and Matt Riddle isn't at the point anyways to be able to go against Brock. So it doesn't really matter. I don't know. Yeah, and that's kind of what I got. That's kind of what I got out of it. I mean, like confrontation to me is like, you know, when Chris Jericho and Goldberg, Goldberg was more of a. Yeah, that's a confrontation. Vince McMahon in the face. You know. Yeah. So, then, like Brock walking up calmly and putting his hand on his shoulder and saying, "Like I'm never going to work with you." That's just Brock being Brock. Like, you know, if Riddle's career takes off, they're going to make a bunch of money in Saudi Arabia to have a match between those two. I, we'll, we'll see if that answer stays the same. Once again, I think a lot of that was just fuel to a fire that they may set down the road. Yeah, that's, that's, I, that's kind of that's, how I took that's it. That's what Booker made it sound like. He's like, he's like, it's it's just really coincidental. Basically, they were having them videotape this stuff in the vicinity, and that happened shortly afterwards. You know, Vince might have been putting this in the works because that's how that's how they operate. Um, I, I get yeah, it. And, it just, and I mean, what I said right off the bat was like, it's a fucking work. This is just to stir the shit online. And from that account of Booker T's account, it sounds like it's fucking work just to stir the shit online, which I'm fine with. But that's that's how I read yeah. it. All right. Well. Um, we don't have a, a crap load of time, so I'm going to kind of go over Raw, but we'll talk about the ending mainly. Uh, but Drew McIntyre comes out, 
he looks awesome. We kind of talked about this. He beat the OC. Wasn't too happy about that. Rey Mysterio had a uh, a match with MVP that apparently MVP saying his last match. Uh, he wanted to work with him one last time. Um, Alistair Black went against um, a guy named Kenneth Johnson, beat him. Alistair Black afterwards said that he's going to change up his direction of doing things finally, and instead of expecting people to come to him to fight him, he's going to go to them. Good way to set this up. Just keep on pushing in this direction. I like what they're doing. Uh, then you had Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy going against Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. We talked about this. Uh, Samoa Joe ended up, unfortunately, getting a concussion, had to be taken out. But it made, you know, on accident, Kevin Owens look like a fucking badass because he was able to hold it down for the most part until inevitably, you know, bullshit happened. And then Rollins and Murphy won. Uh, we had Andrade. We already talked about that match. Um, he didn't lose the title, but after Humberto went a little bit crazy and just beat the shit out of him and gave him his hot hammerlock DDT onto the exposed concrete. Charlotte Flair uh, was going against Asuka. Carrie Zane got involved uh, with an elbow on Flair, screwed up the match. Uh, there is a 24-7 match. Liv Morgan went against Lana, and she beat her. Hopefully that's ending. Probably not. Eric Rowan went against uh, Enhancement Talent. All right, so those are all the matches. If you want to comment, Chris, on any of that, uh, go right ahead, and then we'll go into the ending. Yeah, let me. I'll just quickly comment on the stuff that I thought was good. I thought, regardless of the team, the Drew McIntyre win was good. It sucks that it has to be the OC, but AJ Styles is there for two out two months, so they're going to rehab them anyways. I'm assuming. Hopefully, that involves Spent Balor. I would hope Finn Balor's at a point where maybe you can do a shift uh, of leadership with the club. That would make a lot of sense. That would be awesome. Uh, the uh, the other thing I would say is I thought the Kevin Owens stuff was great. Everyone in that match covered it up to the point where I didn't realize that Samoa Joe was actually hurt at the time. Um, and it just looked great. Made just, uh, made Kevin Owens look great. I thought it was a, a good way to book that going forward. You could set up a feud with KO and Samoa Joe if you wanted to, or you can continue down this tag team path, which I'm also fine with because everyone in that ring is fucking incredible. And there was one more thing that stood out to me. I'm trying to remember what the hell it was now that you ran through those matches. Uh, Charlotte and Asuka? Charlotte and Asuka was – to me, that was just there. There was was one thing you threw out before that, I think. The U.S. match between Andrade and Humberto Carrillo? Yeah. So, oh, that was the other thing I was going to say. Selena Vega – Shoes off, just selling how sad she was that Andrade got dropped on her head was absolutely fucking phenomenal, like Oscar-worthy of how <laughs> sad she was about this. She really sold that injury, and knowing that they didn't know that guy was going to get uh, suspended at the beginning of the day and what they came up with to get out of it, um, great. Like, great all around. Good for Humberto. The, the the Charlotte stuff was fine. I thought the match was okay. It's, it's, it's just they're not doing anything with that other than maybe setting up a little elimination chamber match, which I would assume Becky beats Asuka in the elimination chamber, and they you know that's kind of the end of that feud. But uh, yes, but that that's my take on the beginning of the show. We'll, we'll say that. What did, uh, also just real quick? What do you think about uh, Alistair Black's new strategy of fighting? Finally, he'll go out of his house to do it. I think it's really weird that, like, 
one, he's been <laughs> sleeping in a janitor's closet, and two, no one books him for matches. It's like no one cares that he's actually there, which is kind of sad. So maybe it's a good idea Why? that he goes and attacks people. Um, I like Why the promo. hasn't someone picked a fight with me? Some so I will I will say my wife hasn't seen a whole lot of Aleister Black and she's like why is he doing the CM Punk thing where he sits cross-legged and complains a lot? <laughs> <laughs> and oh like, god, he is kind of he is kind of doing that thing, isn't he? But no, I'll just decide I, I like more cocky, confident Aleister Black and and him going after people. It's just who does he choose to go after? I guess is the big question because everyone's pretty yeah. lost in the feuds right now. Except for what is Braun on Raw? No, he's on SmackDown, I guess. So, who the fuck knows? We'll figure it out. But I'm glad that in 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 uh, Paul Heyman's trajectory, you know, Drew McIntyre, Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy, Andrade, all are strong in his head. Because what he did with SmackDown back in 2005 and some of the stars that he was able to make, you know, I think that's that's good no matter, even if he doesn't have a big feud going into Mania. Maybe he's a part of a multi-tag match for the U.S. title or some shit like that. I'm sure there's a lot of situations. Let's talk about fucking Edge, okay? So the ending, <laughs> which they alluded to so many damn times by having the reaction from the night before, and I kept on thinking it was a damn audience, like Edge was coming out. But it wasn't. It was just them letting us know that Edge was coming out later on. And uh, he comes out, he kind of gives an explanation that, you know, he got a second uh, neck surgery, and he's got in the best shape of his life. And honestly, stuff that we don't know, well, that he didn't say is that he was offered uh, a little bit of moolah, a little bit of the moolah from AEW, and uh, WWE caught wind of it and gave him another doctor's evaluation and then, you know, gave him a fucking great contract, which looks like three to five dates, tops. Are you kidding me? I forgot the amount of money completely, but the amount of dates that he's only required to like work, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it's 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 basically twenty appearances, which doesn't mean he's wrestling, but twenty T V appearances, three actual matches, and three million a year for three years is what, what it seems like Jesus. it's set at from everything I've read. But basically if he works more matches, that amount goes up. So, like, if they do three Saudi shows, or if they do, if he does Mania, the two Saudi shows, but then he also does like SummerSlam or something, that's just additional money for Edge, which good for him. Fucker, he fucking deserves it. Yeah, he was absolutely. great coming back in both the Rumble and uh, his first Raw appearance. Yeah, so he comes out. He lets us all know. What's been going on? You can see and feel the emotion there. He thanks everyone for being there and, and for believing in him. I mean, I don't know how long I've been hearing Edge while listening to the Edge of Christian podcast. Week in and week out, a lot of times, Twitter questions, are you ever coming back to wrestling? You know, blah, blah, blah. Does this procedure for Tommaso Ciampa, since he's coming back, is that a possibility for you? And very much with Christian with, with, with uh, you know, with um, – concussions because of the fact that Daniel Bryan's been cleared and stuff like that. And I'm sure it eats at both of them and it definitely ate at edge because I believe Christian at least got to go out the way he kind of wanted to, if you will. He had, he had more closure is what I'm trying to say. Edge didn't really get that. And the fact that he's coming back is awesome. We have Randy Orton uh, interrupt. He comes out and dude, this is so much emotion because this is stuff like just with the Cody and Dustin shit. Well, there is a lot of realness to this promo. And Randy Orton saying, you know, 
when I was at my darkest, when I was at the bottom of a hole, you would pull me out. And, you know, I never really got to thank you about that. And, uh, you know, just they go back and forth. They give each other a huge hug. Edge is crying a little bit. Randy's crying. Like, he's trying to hold back a little bit. And then he's like, hey, man, I think that we should get RKO back together or rated RKO back together as a tag team. What would you think about that? And Edge is all excited. They're like, you know, just looking at each other with glee and happiness. And out of nowhere, Randy Orton fucking gives them an RKO. And the the performance, like I said, of, of Edge selling and then Randy Orton, how con- like conflicted he looks. And, like, he goes and grabs a chair. And he's like, what am I going to do with this? Comes in, he hits him in the fucking back. You know, Edge sells it great. He's making terrible noises. And then he's going to go and put... The he thinks about taking the chair and opening it and then putting out his neck in it and then he's gonna go off top ropes and everyone's like no 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 everyone's freaking the fuck out I'm freaking the fuck out and you know he he talks himself off the ledge if you will so then you think he leaves and he's done no he comes back flies through the camera grabs two chairs throws them in and gives Edge the the safest self concerto ever <laughs> uh, throughout the whole thing and people people worrying about this. Randy's a very professional. That's one of his friends, one of his close friends. He's going to make sure that he's not hurt. That's why I think Randy Orton's the first person Edge is working with. I forgot who Daniel Bryan worked with first, but it was a very, very safe person to put him in the ring with. And even the um, concerto. Well, Bryan, unfortunately, worked with – well, he worked with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but they tagged him with Shane McMahon. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well <laughs> – Either way, you know, so at least Edge has a good person to work with where we can, you know, a good person to get him back in the swing of things, have a great WrestleMania match, and it's going to be a great buildup. We know Edge is going to be out. I thought that Beth Phoenix did a great job uh, at the beginning of NXT selling it and saying Edge, you know, asked her to come in and just, just, just work, basically, and that's what you do, and good stuff. Um, I think this is going to be an awesome feud, man. I love – when Randy Orton is dialed in, this is what everyone says. He's fucking awesome. When he doesn't give a shit, you can completely tell by his performance, by his promos, by everything. He was so much more dialed in at Royal Rumble, and especially with this. And Edge, I mean, even though Edge is more known for being a heel, I, I, he's going to be the biggest baby face. People were freaking out. It was awesome. What did you think about this? Yeah, I mean, that it goes back to just when Orton cares about something like his the the little feud he had with Punk and you get some great shit out of Orton. But when he doesn't care and you're just throwing him into stuff with Jinder Mahal or Bray Wyatt, like you're gonna get the very least amount of effort. It kinda reminds me of Kevin Nash in a lot of ways, but not to the same extent because Randy always puts on good matches at least. Whereas like Kevin Nash, you you're just getting Kevin Nash but zero effort to the feud plus not great matches, uh, but the demeanor at least is that. When Randy really turns it on, he is one of the best wrestlers of all time. But I think the problem I've always had, and we've talked about this in the show, I'm not a huge Randy Orton fan, is that there's very few times that he's, he has turned it on probably the past like 10 to 15 years. Um, yep. So all that being said, this was fucking great. Edge was phenomenal. He really put in those acting chops from Haven, you know, the famous sci-fi show, 
uh, broke down in tears. I mean, some of that was probably a little bit real, and some of that was uh, Edge acting his ass off. I thought it was great. I mean, you heard legitimate screams from the crowd after the RKO. He starts sitting up the chair over his head, and you're like, oh, man, he's going to break his neck. And, and the best part was the the announcing, and I what was this, Tom Phillips? So Tom Phillips is back, and he did such a great job. He clearly hits Edge in the back with his still chair, but Tom Phillips sells it as, like, he just hit Edge in the back of the neck. Like, he's really laying it on thick, and he did a great job, so props on him. And uh, I'm actually glad that he's back on Raw. I think that he's a good announcer. They just – don't feed him so many lines. Just let him be a fucking announcer. Um, so I thought he did a great job in them selling what was happening, even even King to some extent selling what was happening to Edge the entire time. This is a great segment. Um, definitely the best angle they've done on Raw in forever. And um, uh, like I said, the, you could tell by the fans' reaction. They were like, man, this makes it feel like it's real for a second. You could tell like women and children are screaming, crying for Edge. They're like, don't kill Edge, please. He just came back. Um, it was fucking great, and the way that Randy played it off, the slow, methodical pace of the Viper himself that plays into his character. It you you, you book two perfect people with a great babyface storyline. Edge is immediately the biggest babyface that they have. It, it was incredible. There's there's zero things that you can say negative about this unless you're going to be like, well, someone should have came out and helped Edge. And it's WWE. No one ever fucking helps anyone except for Viking Raiders helping Kevin Owens uh, earlier in the night. And I think that's the first time that's happened in forever. If this Paul <laughs> Heyman and Vince working together, fucking great. Like, let's do that. If this is because XFL is looming, I hope XFL takes off and has like 6 million people watching it or some shit so Vince can go focus <laughs> on that and let us have some good ass wrestling because by God, this is some good ass wrestling between two big ass stars and they work their ass off with promos, barely any moves. And it was fucking phenomenal. It was some good, good ass wrestling. The best wrestling I saw all week. <laughs> yep. No, I agree, man. Do you think that there's any problem with the fact that WWE kind of proves now that their hottest angle is Randy Orton and Edge is that their stars that they have, your Rollins, your Roman Reigns, they just don't seem to sparkle as much as your Brock Lesnar's, as your Edge's, as your Randy Orton's that have been there. I mean, what does that say about WWE is that, like, I'm not saying don't be dependent on people like that, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's the same concept of if CM Punk came up, but then all those other people, they kind of go down a couple more levels. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm talking about Kevin Owens. I'm, I'm even talking about Roman, you know? Well, I mean, that's the thing is Kevin Owens came out looking really strong. Drew McIntyre looked really, really strong. You made Brock a super heel. And that's your build for Mania. Those are matches set in. So you're probably going to get Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. You're going to get you know, Brock versus Drew for the title, and you're going to get Orton versus Edge. They booked the shit out of this. Like, if, if McIntyre wins this match and Kevin Owens goes over huge as well, you just made two stars. And you can you can always lay back on Samoa Joe as a top heel. Like, honestly, 
Drew McIntyre winning that makes me have faith that they are trying to strap a rocket to someone that the fans like, appreciate, have seen him do really shitty stuff and do really good stuff because he's part of three-man band. I think fans relate to that a little bit. And seeing Drew come off as a, like a very strong and beat – if he beats Brock at Mania, I – you know, strap the rockets to the guy, let's go. And then you got the influx of these new people. So, like, hopefully the Adam guess- Cole. Um, but the reliance on this one makes sense because it is it, this is the this is the Undertaker match. If you're looking at it on the card, this is the Triple H match. You know what I mean? With with Orton and Edge, so I think it's fine. I, I mean, it's not anything that they don't do on Mania every year. Well, all right. So I I just wish that WWE would be able to make people up to that level with guys because we we've watched you know many people the Fiend. Ron Strowman, even Becky to an extent, uh, they get to a peak and then they're forced and simmered down instead of being able to get to that superstar level that honestly, I think Daniel Bryan was probably the last one. Um, maybe I guess well, Becky I mean, too. Well, I think you look at like Becky, Becky will be back there again with the Shayna feud, I think, especially now that they're over this like, battle with Asuka, I think there's a lot of cool stuff they'll do with Becky, but you're also getting Drew McIntyre, who was going to be the guy. And the fact that they want to strap stuff, you know, strap rockets to Andrade as well, I think they're they're trying to do that. And some of that is Paul Heyman has picked a subset of guys that are really fucking good. And if he can get them all over, like, that is the core of that company. Um more of the problem is on SmackDown because I have zero. I have zero fucking idea what they're doing over there outside of Roman Reigns and the Fiend. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you at all. Ugh, it's it's strange. All right, I, I mean, I don't think least, we're gonna be able to. I, I to end this. I will. I will at least say it seems like they're trying by giving by pushing Drew McIntyre so solid. So it definitely seems like they're at least trying. And I think it would be great if Drew McIntyre actually won the title in Elimination Chamber over Brock, and that sets up the rematch at Mania, and he wins again. Um, Because you're trying to book this guy strong, which I think that's how I would do it. But, you know, if he loses in the Elimination Chamber or whatever, not that huge of a deal. There's ways to get around that, but I would just have him win both times. Fuck it, go into Mania as champion over Brock with a win and a Rumble win. Booking the guy strong, do that. I'm not the biggest Drew McIntyre fan, but like the fact that he's done stuff like the one, two, three, and he's he's building it up and the way they've booked him, I think for the general fan base, it's a smart thing to do, and it does open up a lot of avenues for other people. So I at least they're tr- fucking trying to get someone over that's not Roman Reigns or or Seth Rollins. Yeah, I think that's how a lot of people feel. I, I feel the same way. It, it's just that's that's just how it is. Um, and I just love Paul Heyman's very smart man. I mean, we look at SmackDown 2002-2003 when he was in charge and how he got Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle and Cena. And all these fucking names, you know, over basically and built much more. It's great that it seems like he feels that way, like we said about McIntyre and Andrade and Alistair, like he sees potential in all of them. So I think he, I think he sees a lot in Ricochet because Ricochet, 
hitting fucking Brock in the balls and coming out and getting his face, I feel like I'm hoping that they're going to push him a lot more because I don't like how he's been kind of thrown to the side. He really should be this generation's Rey Mysterio. I, I think he really life. should be. He should really be the first person leaving WWE. <laughs> Honestly, he fits way better in several other companies, which it sucks. But I, he's he's a weird one that I don't know how you rehab. Much yeah. like Braun, like I don't know what you do with Braun. Like I, you're never going to get him to the level that he was when he flipped the ambulance with Roman Reigns. They should just put the title on him there. So at least they kind of have seen that, or what I think they've seen some of their mistakes with some of these guys they've had right there on the cusp with Joe and with Braun that they could have, you know, made that around them. And they have Drew McIntyre, this like the prototypical Vince guy, the size. Uh, the athletic skill, he's he's good in the ring. He's getting over the crowd. The crowd's clearly behind this dude. It it just makes sense. Once again, I, I, I've i seen a lot of Drew matches. <laughs> he's not my favorite in the entire world. But, like, if you give me the choice of giving us something different that's going to open up different avenues and, and try to make a new star, he was, like, like I said, I had Kofi because he's always my prediction to win the Rumble because I think – Eventually he's gonna fucking win one, right? Um, and then the second, to the, my second choice going into the rubble was Drew, and uh, I, I was not disappointed. Um, yeah, I, I like what they're doing with him. We'll see. We'll see where it goes, and maybe I'll even become a fan. Who knows? The more and more I see of them, uh, who 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 knows? Yeah, I like that. Well. Uh, we don't have much more time. I don't think we're going to realistically be able to get through NXT and AEW. But, I mean, this was the Rumble, so what do you expect? Uh, I'll just go over the card for NXT real quick because there's less matches. We can kind of comment on that and then try to talk a little bit more in detail with the uh, AEW stuff. Uh, we had Finn Balor going against Trent Seven. Uh, he attacked uh, Trent Afterwards, basically on behalf of the whole Tyler Bate thing, uh, during World's Collide, I should say. After that happened, and they got in his face, he kicked the shit out of Trent Seven. Trent Seven won the match against him. Uh, He took a cheap shot on Trent, beat the crap out of him around the ring, came in, intensity. Uh, Trent Seven came back, lots of chops to to Finn Balor's chest, but Finn Balor would inevitably get him with the Coupe de Gras, followed by the 1916, which seems to be his new signature and finisher combo. Shotzi Blackheart went against Deanna Prazzo. Good showing of Shotzi. Good showing of Deanna, too, but strong win for uh, someone I think they see stuff in. Keith Lee came out uh, talking about him being the North American champion. Damian Priest and Dominic Dijakovic both came out with good reasoning of why they should go against Keith Lee for that said title. Uh, he got out while the two of them got in a fight with each other when Dominic called Damien a bootleg Marilyn Manson. They had a fucking awesome big man match where people should not be able to do stuff like this, especially the Poison Rana that um, that Damien Priest did to uh, Dominic Dijakovic. My favorite part of the night, and we'll, we'll, we'll pause after this. Tommaso Ciampa, let's talk to Captain Kelly says, I'm going to get Goldie back at the next takeover, and basically has a pole in his hand. Uh, we come back, all of the members of Unskewed Air are taken out in the hallway, uh, and Tommaso Ciampa's shirt's ripped. He's going towards a ring. Uh, he's got a table, a table in the middle of it. 
spray paints an X in the middle. Adam Cole finds out what happens to his comrades. It's like, what the hell? You know, goes towards the ring, comes out there, goes back and forth with Tommaso Ciampa. Then we have William Regal's like, well, just to let you know, he was he says he didn't care who he went against. And, you know, he's gonna and then Adam Cole grabs a contract that he already signed, takes it down there. Tommaso Ciampa says, You're gonna get in the ring. I'm gonna power bomb you through this table right where the X is. I'm gonna sign that contract. Uh and that's what happened. Adam Cole tried to get in there, try to get the better of him, doesn't go through the table. When he hit him with the clipboard, he actually split his head a little bit, and he was bleeding constantly. So when he put him through it, he signs the contract, and everyone tells him to sign with blood in the audience, which is a great chant. Sign with blood. And he takes it, puts it, smears it on the contract, and the two of them will be going against each other for the title. And I really think Tommaso Ciampa is getting that belt back. Uh, how would you like the beginning of the show? Basically, mainly this. What do you think about Tommaso Ciampa coming out? fucking up Undisputed Era, and then signing the thing in blood. There is no way that anyone can convince me that Triple H does not, like, is not best friends with Ciampa and doesn't book himself like he, or like, doesn't book Ciampa like his self was booked, because Ciampa is, like, kind of a badass. It, it doesn't matter if he's a heel or a babyface. He's kicking everyone's ass all the time. Like, if you really go back and look at it, Ciampa is always kicking ass. And if you look at, like, 2000 to 2003 Triple H, it's, like, the same kind of push, but it's great. And Ciampa's fucking phenomenal. I love this. The match was also awesome. The big guy match was great with uh, Dijakovic and Damian Priest and, and Keith Lee kind of stepping back and letting them, like, hey, you guys kick, your, kick each other's ass. That'll be great, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. Um, Shotzi Blackheart, didn't she come out in a mini tank on this, or did I yeah. mess that up? Okay. No, she did. Oh, I That's love right. that. She should always do that. I love Shotzi. I think she's fucking great. Um, the more and more people they get from Evolve, you're just seeing the roster even grow more, which is awesome. Finn Balor getting another strong win. I'm fine with that. They built it off the pay-per-view. It was a decent match. It was kind of short for my taste, but it was a it was a decent match. So I think I hit everything. Um, are you looking forward right, to ahead. what? Are you looking forward to inevitably um, Finn Balor and Tyler Bate in a match? Because I think that's going to happen. Yes, and it's going to be fucking phenomenal. It's going to be. It's probably going to be up there with like. It's going to be a day five star match, honestly, because I don't think that Finn's Finn's had some great people to work with, but he hasn't had that singles match where he hasn't been injured, and you're going to put him up against Tyler Bate, and they're. Fucking, they're gonna have a banger for sure. It, just think about Walter versus Tyler Bate and what they were able to do, and then plug in Finn Balor um, channeling his inner Prince Devitt and them giving them 20 minutes. That shit's gonna be phenomenal. So I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, I will say this: uh, fucking, where's Austin Theory? More Austin Theory on this fucking show. Yeah. Swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. All right, so at the end of it, Tegan Knox went against Dakota Kai. I thought this was a good match. I like that. I think we're going to get more of this because, well, Tegan Knox, even though she's the baby face, she got our cancel rate accidentally distract the ref. She hit her in the head with the, uh, with the uh, whatchamacallit, the brace, and then hit the shiniest wizard on her, which is double DQ if you go by, uh, you know, Chris's 
concept. I mean, it is a big ass fucking leg brace. It's metal as shit. We had. I uh, think it's the Carter size def- of a fucking Boeing jet. It's like the size of an airplane, Dane. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And then um, Caden Carter uh, defeated Chelsea Green. We talked about this in a roll up, really out of nowhere. Don't know where they're going with this whole entire thing in the Robbie E stuff. Brozier Waits match, man. Awesome fucking match. Matt Riddle, Pete Dunn against the Grizzled Young Veterans, Zach Gibson and James Drake. Uh, just, I, I loved it, man. And I love the promo beforehand. I love Matt Riddle talking on behalf of Pete Dunn. Like, I think that's hilarious. I love him. He's like, Kathy Kelly, you know, he's my brother from a different mother. And, like, you know, the way I look at him in his eyes, I can just feel the love. And Pete Dunn's, like, you know, he looks like – he says so much <laughs> with his face with so little. So awesome. They win. Uh, Riddle and Dunn combine a pop-up into a step-up kick for the pinfall on Drake. They win. They're going against the Undisputed Air for their titles at the next takeover. And the other, the other fucking video they did afterwards was just as funny. Uh, just awesome, odd couple. When they inevitably break up and beat the shit out of each other, they're going to have a great feud. Uh, what do you think, Chris? I, I think that they should win the titles. That's what I think. I think the Brizzerweights should win the titles because of Chaba. He's in their heads. Brizzerweights won the title. Let him run with it for a little bit before you split him up. Just because this, that, that, man, they're so entertaining. They really are. <laughs> how are how are we going to get that trophy to Portland? <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way, bro. <laughs> Great. Fucking so stupid. Uh, Chelsea Green it. getting beat. Surprised. It's like they put a bunch of promo time into her, and then she just got beat. Um, oh yeah. That's a joke. I think this whole entire. I think this entire thing is a Tony Khan joke. I think like Robbie E's character is supposed say. to be Tony Khan. So I expect huh. this to be very bad, and that sucks for Chelsea Green. Uh, the Tegan Knox match I thought was really, really great. I thought it was a very fun match. Um, once again, that She's thing beautiful. is – that's an illegal weapon. That's a fucking – that is a <laughs> – she is a cowboy Bob Orton with her leg, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, Randy Orton's like looking at her is like, is that my mom? <laughs> she's, got, she's got a gimmick limb too. Uh, no, nah, all jokes oh, aside, uh, the browser the browser weight stuff for sure uh, was great. All right, and I want to. I say thought this was. I, this. I, I I will say this beforehand because I don't think we're going to get to it uh, to get through all the way through AEW. I thought this was the better show. It definitely had the be- better wrestling on it. Yeah, I, it's funny. Someone said like, if you would have told me the WWE based show would have the more would be more the wrestling show, if that makes sense, and the other one would have more of the Gaga with AEW. It's it's uh, very weird how that works out. But uh, before we get with NXT, um, there were these promos. One of them was a bunch of stars. One of them said 20. Uh, the other one said uh, 5 and then 2, and it was, like, mixed in. And then later on it gave the date of next week. Good chance that that's going to be Killer Cross. And if that's the case, I'm very excited. For all we know, it could be his his uh, his uh, what you call it, his fiance Scarlett Bardot, or someone else. But he's you know he's called the the I forgot what the term is uh, the tall man. He's the tall man. So I don't know. It, it looked like coins. So I'm wondering if that's going to actually have something to do with it. It could be anyone. But someone's coming next week. I wonder who it is, Chris. What do you think? What if it's a shakeup? <laughs> 
No, it's, I, I think you're spot on with Killer Cross. I, I wish they would move some talent, though. Maybe they do a double thing. That would be cool. But I doubt it. It's probably going to be Killer Cross, which will be awesome. They have so much good talent in NXT. It's, it's insane right now. Like I said, where the fuck was Austin Theory? But you could say that about, like, a lot of people that don't make that show yeah. weekly. All right. Chris, I'm realizing the whole AEW thing is probably not going to happen. Um, maybe we could do a companion thing tomorrow, like on Facebook or uh, maybe Saturday. You know, before I go, I can we can do like a short one to cover AEW and then highlights from SmackDown, possibly. What do you think? Yeah, we'll just figure it out on the air, man. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Uh, yeah, I'm good with that, man. We'll do. We're here for you, fans. So if you want the AEW Dynamite results and recap and our thoughts on Le Champion and uh, Ortiz and Santana and the Spanish God Sammy Guevara, we're gonna give it to you, just like DMX. X gonna give it to you. All right, yeah, but we'll do that probably Saturday at either twelve or one whenever I get settled, and I'll just tell Hoyt to screw off before we go to New Japan, or well, we'll go out to make it there. We're we're going out with people, anyways. So we'll we'll cover AEW. We'll cover everything on SmackDown. I'll try to get a couple news things so we have a full hour, and uh, we'll do that for you. But this was a pretty damn good show. We got a lot of stuff. The Royal Rumble is behind us. The road to WrestleMania is in front of us. Uh, good stuff from WWE. It's very crazy. I can't complain about anything from them, but they're doing a good job. I am excited and both scared for SmackDown to either do that too or take it in the opposite direction. So we'll have to wait and find out for tomorrow night. Either way, thank you everyone for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Appreciate that, guys. All new listeners. Guys, go to geekvibesnation.com. That is the parent company for Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, that website, you'll find news for wrestling, comic books, comic book movies, a whole bunch of stuff. Also links to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Come and find us at Geek Vibes Nation. On Twitter, you can find me at DaneAls42. Message me. Let me know what you liked or did not like, and I will choose whether or not to decide to talk to you. Um, and also, <laughs> if you want, don't... Don't want to listen to us live on Blog Talk. We're also on SoundCloud, Stitcher. We're on uh, iTunes. We're on all listening audio platforms. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, I want to thank my co-host, Mr. Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Thank you so much for being with me tonight, sir, to talk about the Royal Rumblage. And uh, give any plugs and your Twitter handles and whatnot. Your yeah, so you can hit me at... At Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Make sure you check out my hockey podcast if you're a hockey fan. Skates the Throats. We just went over the All Star game. Uh, the title of the episode, uh, fittingly, is Hey Now, You're an All Star. So uh, check that out. Um, obviously, always great to be here. Love talking wrestling with you, Dane. Um, and, and all of the formats can be found with the hockey podcast in this podcast. And I look forward to our next uh, Monday Suck. If you guys haven't listened to the the Oscar version of that, go check that out. How wrong or right were we, I guess, or, you know, we'll see what happens, but definitely check that one out as well. Absolutely. Monday suck, which I do biweekly. I'll have a new one next Monday, 6 PM EST wrestling geeks Alliance on Thursdays, 7 PM EST and Saturdays at noon. So thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful evening. Let the geek fives be with you. And of course, Peace out. Hola. It's the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. 
Johnny Impact, FKA, John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny Gimmick Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance.